Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Welcome to Edgewood Church Online Devotional, April 26th, uh, 2020. morning, everyone. I hope you're all doing very well this morning, but but I'd invite you to pray with me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to come together, even this morning, like this, through Facebook and through online means, but God, we pray and ask for your power, for your wisdom. We pray that you would care for us. You would care for the details, care for the concerns concerns that are on our hearts. We're definitely in a time where fear, unknown, at times even miscommunication is all around us. But God, we ask and we pray that you would be at work in our hearts and in our lives. We know that your power, your word is powerful. We know that you are able to work. We know that you are able to comfort our fears. We ask for this. We ask that you would be at work in our lives. We ask that you would care for us. We ask even this morning as we spend some time around your word, we spend some time just together. We pray for your blessing. We pray that you would provide for us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and reads this. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you constantly, mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For you know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction. For the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor John. Uh, this is sermon number four in our First Thessalonians series. Uh, Pastor John just read through that entire first chapter of First Thessalonians. And um, in our previous three messages, we uh, have preached through a portion of that. Um, we talked about... Um, the introduction with Paul, Silvanus, or that's talking about Silas, and Timothy. Then we discussed the gratitude of Paul 
Um, we ended last time with verse 5. Uh, if you needed to go back and re-listen to those things, you can always go to our church's website, www.edgewooddanville.org. And at the top of the page when that, that website loads, there's a, a link that says Church Online. And if you click that, that will take you to all of our previous messages that we've uh, had during this time of uh, dealing with the coronavirus, okay, during our quarantine. So um, we ended last time, like I said, with verse 5. Um, I'd like to pick up there just for context, okay? So I don't want to try to get the context of where we're going to be at for the rest of First Thessalonians by picking up at the end of verse 5. So let's take a look at verse 5. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. Now, as I said, this is for context. The word, the gospel, the good news, it came to the Thessalonians not only in word. Do you see that? Not only in word, okay? Not only in word, but also along with that in three things in power in the holy spirit and with full conviction and that's what we talked about last week and so if you needed to you could go back and listen to that and that's basically where i stopped even though i mentioned this last part of this verse i didn't really uh, dig into this last time um, it's important to note that not only is there clear evidence of how they accepted the gospel uh, but in the previous verses, there is a clear acceptance of how they were continuing to live in the gospel. Um, think back uh, to the previous verses that talked about their work of faith, their labor of love, and their steadfastness of hope. These people were doing it. They were living this Christian life. Um, and how they are doing it, um, well, um, I want to be an encouragement to you today with how you are doing this. And how you can continue to do this because there's a factor in their reception that I'm getting ready to talk about. There's a factor in their reception and the living of the gospel that I haven't focused on yet. And it's so important in a few different uh, for a few different reasons. Uh, so I'm going to allow you to throw in this new element or characteristic of their conversion and living conditions that we're going to see in verse six. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. There it is right there. This is the, 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 the other factor or other element that I think I believe is so important um, for all of you that are listening. In studying the Thessalonians and how uh, all the things that have been said so far about their how Paul rejoices in them and he's he's so happy about how they're doing and what's going on and and uh, all those other things that I've been talking about and and it's so essential that you understand their reception of the Word of God the context of it and it's right there for you received the word. You received the word, the gospel, right? In much affliction 
with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Affliction is sometimes translated tribulation. This word affliction is sometimes translated tribulation. It comes from the idea of pressure, pressing things down. So affliction, pressing things down. The reception of the word, the word of the gospel, was in this pressure. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't simple. It wasn't without trials that they received this. Um, and yet they received it with what? Joy. The joy of the Holy Spirit. A real, genuine joy. This is foreign to many of us, I think. Um, for many of us, joy... For many of us, joy waits until after the pressure ends. Think about that for a minute. For many of us, the concept of joy with the pressure is slightly foreign. There's, there's, there's joy after the pressure. Joy as a result of the pressure being gone, the affliction being gone, the trial being gone. But for the Thessalonians, they received the word. They, they I mean, this is how it started for them and how it continued for them. They became imitators. It says, "This is the Greek word that where we get the word mimic." Okay, they were mimicking or imitating um, who? Us, that's Paul, Silas, Timothy, and the Lord, Christ. So they were imitators of this. And the, so they're mimicking. And so this receiving of the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, where did they get that concept from? Right here. Us and the Lord. <clears throat> We've said that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. In the ancient world, uh, especially from Jewish and Greek culture, especially during this time, and it may have been plenty of other times, but I know for sure that during this time period and leading up to this time period, teaching was captured in demonstration and il illustration. So this idea of imitating, mimicking, was a way that teachers understood how they would teach. They wanted their students to imitate them. Um, teaching was captured in this. They, the teacher was the example to follow. The way to show the greatest adherence to a master teacher in this world that they were in, uh, that you've decided to follow, was to follow in their steps. Follow what they did. Go where they went. That's where you see the disciples following Jesus around. Fo come, follow me. That's what they, that, that's what they did. Teachers would go and live their lives and their students would come and follow them. Especially to show one's adherence to their master teacher, to show who they believed in and what they believed in, would be to follow their master in their sufferings. We can see that um, in this passage, but we can also see that in so, so many others. Uh, I share with you one um, that Paul shared with Timothy when Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Paul the Apostle writes, You, however, have followed my teaching. Do you see, do you see that idea coming through? Um, you, however, followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my, my faith, my patience, my love. See, do you see what do you see what's happening here? This is illustrating exactly what I was talking about, right? So Paul, teacher over Timothy, and he's saying, You have followed my teaching. This is the perfect illustration of what it means to, to follow in one's steps. But notice all the things he lists off. 
um, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, and there it is. You see it? My persecutions and sufferings that happened to me. Timothy followed. And then Paul says this. I, I left a few words out here. This is verses 10 through 12. Um, he says, indeed, Paul says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, like God, following after God in Christ. Christ is their ultimate teacher and master. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, not could be, not maybe, will be persecuted. Let your mind dwell on that for a minute. Let's lay aside for a moment the measurements of suffering. Um, what I mean by that is, let's lay aside, I, I know that it's easy when, when we start going down these roads of thinking about the sufferings, for example, like when um, we hear those stories of the voice of the martyrs and the, the amazingly horrible, horrible persecutions people are going through, Christians are going through in this world, um, and comparing the things that we go through with that. Let's lay aside the measurement of the trial for just a moment and instead tackle the very concept of the suffering or the persecution and our approach to it. Consider as we're going this way, because there's a, there's a will be definitely written in here. Consider as we go this way, uh, Jesus is teaching on suffering from his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. And let me read those for you. Blessed, happy, full of God's grace. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus teaches. This is near the end of that first portion of that sermon, and the, what we call the Beatitudes, the, these, all these blessed things, and they're so counterintuitive to what we would expect happy people would be about. But this is the very last one he, he, he digs into is those who are persecuted. This is suffering at the hands of others for living for God righteousness sake consider what he says next blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account on the account of christ rejoice there's that joy in the middle of this rejoice what what are we, are we to do because since we're blessed when these things are happening jesus says rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's important to understand as we're looking at these things, the affliction with the joy is how it ought to be for us as Christians. And there's, you can see already that he's building in here why we can do these things as we look at the rest of this. But don't miss it for a moment that our master teacher is teaching us these truths blessed when you're persecuted he uh, 
Let me share uh, Hebrews 12 too, as he demonstrated this not just with teaching, but with his own life with example. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Also, Peter's teaching on the same thing from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. For this is a gracious thing, Peter writes, gracious, good, blessed. It's a good thing. This is a gracious thing when mindful of God, thinking about God, right? When mindful of God, so our mind, our hearts are set on him, when one is that's where your focus is. When you then endure sorrows while suffering, and in case you're wondering what type of suffering it could be, even this type of suffering, it takes it to the farthest extreme. It doesn't negate other sufferings, but it's saying even this type, this is the, feels like the worst type of suffering. But it's a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while, while suffering. So we're thinking about God when we're going through these sufferings. This is a good thing. Verse 20, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? Got a point. But if when you do good and suffer for it and you endure, this again, he says, is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, not accidental, not without purpose, to this, the suffering, you have been called. Why? Because Christ also suffered for you. And here it is, our teacher that we follow. How do we show that we believe in his teachings? We follow his example, and that's exactly what he did. He said in his one of his earliest sermons, blessed are you when you suffer, when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. He then was persecuted for righteousness sake, for doing what God called him to do. He suffered death on a cross. And then what does he do? He leaves you an example so that you might do what? Follow in his steps. And so we as Christians, Paul, Silas, Timothy, they followed in his steps. The Thessalonians then followed in their steps who were also following in the Lord's steps. This is what we do. Let's be honest. Most of us don't want that. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if you might be thinking that you must be doing something wrong and that's why you're suffering. Well, I, maybe I'm just not doing the right thing. or maybe. So we look at our sufferings and we think maybe, maybe that's the problem. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something wrong or I, I, I haven't gotten something figured out or maybe I'm not praying right or maybe I've, I've got the sin in my life. And, and let, let me pause for a moment and give you a little bit of clarification on some of those questions and thoughts that might be popping into your head right now. Um, let me illustrate for just a moment. Let's say, let's talk about behavior. Uh, your actions, things that you do, okay? So your behavior. Behavior can have some results. Would you agree with that? There's results from behavior. 
And so sometimes those results, sometimes there's good results, sometimes there's bad results, sometimes bad stuff happens. As a direct result of your behavior. Sometimes this bad stuff that happens is discipline. So, for example, let's go with a child example. Uh, very common example. This is not going to be some brand new example. But let's say I told one of my boys, I said, guys, when they were little, um, let's say we were visiting somebody and, and the, the, this person had a big dog in the backyard. Okay. Um, and I said, guys, do not go next to that fence. That dog will bite your fingers. Let's say there's a big sign that they, they're little, they can't read yet. So I tell, do not go next to the fence. You go back there, there's a real chance. You know, I'm thinking there's a real chance, you know, that dog could bite a finger off or something like that. Right. So I tell them, don't go back there. Okay. Now, if they do, right, so bad behavior. So let's say they go back there. One of the things that can happen is the bad thing that can happen can be this. I can see them walking back there. I can see them getting ready to reach out and touch the fence. And I go grab the hand and, you know, don't you do that. You know, usually I would do it real stern like first. Don't you do that. Sometimes I would grab the hand and take Nope. Right? Ooh, I probably scared one of my boys just then doing that. Um, so, but you do that, and, and the pain of the, the little, oh, that was nothing. You know, just a little, I mean, didn't leave a mark, nothing like that. They just, oh, but you, you know what happens when you do that. What happens? Right? They start, so there's the bad, this bad thing. So they, they, di they didn't obey, and this bad thing happened, but it was, it was discipline. I'm not just trying to get them. I'm like, no, don't. This, this, this is the result. Sometimes when you misbehave and you're not obedient, the bad thing that happens is, I'm going to call it a consequence. I mean, God forbid, let's say um, when they were little, they would have gone back there and let's say I didn't see them. Let's say I didn't stop them and, and do they, or they, and they, and they, they put their hand up to the fence and they, and that dog <clears throat> bit their hand. Bad stuff. Just a con it, that cause and effect, right? As Christians, for Christian behavior, this can be so, so very true. In fact, the amazing hand of God, many times there's some crossover between these things where it's hard to tell which one is which. Is it discipline or is it a, is it just a, con I mean, there's, there's bad stuff that, so um, you need to understand what I am talking about when I'm talking about persecutions and I'm talking about these things. I'm not talking about you've done something bad, bad stuff is happening to you because of that. That's that's a different, although I will tell you, there is still some overflow into what we're talking about. But for the most part, I'm taking this type of situation, this type of scenario, and I'm laying it off to the side. Because what people happen then, what, what, what happens with people then is that if the behavior is all good, then they start thinking only good things will happen. And we can tell already from all the passages we've looked at, is that is that the is that biblical? No. In fact, Christ said it's it's good 
if you do good and bad stuff still happens. So don't let yourself go down. Now, if you're, if you're making bad choices and bad things are happening, I'm going to tell you right now, th this is usually not a confusion. It's usually pretty obvious. I did this thing. This thing happened, right? Um, there, a lot of our consequences, a lot of things that we're dealing with are a direct result of the bad choices that we've made. But let's lay those aside for a minute and think through that even because because many people, even in ceasing to do the bad things that they're doing in their life, what they really want is not to serve God, not to follow after Christ, but they're wanting good things to happen. And I'm telling you right now, if you think following Jesus is going to make everything go good, you are sorely mistaken. I want you to I want to help you change that perspective. In the next few verses of Thessalonians, Paul's going to tell us four ways that receiving the word in affliction with joy will have an impact on our world. And I hope that when you hear this impact, these four things, when you hear this impact, you will see how much we need to we need this impact right now. Okay? I need all of you as Christians and those who are following after Christ to choose to follow after him, to do the right things, to be good, not because of good things happening, but because your master went this route. Let me share with you the four things that Paul talks about, the four impacts that the Thessalonian church had in not just their own town, but in the surrounding communities because they received the word in affliction with joy. Verse 7 states, So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Let me pull up a map so you can see what this is talking about. So Thessalonica, you can see the word right here, the name is right here. Okay, there's Thessalonica. So Paul had come from Philippi through sufferings. He had been uh, imprisoned wrongfully there. He makes it down to Thessalonica. That's where he first meets them. This church is planted. They, then Paul has to leave and he ends up, he goes to Berea. Then he ends up all the way down here. But notice that Paul says here, you became an example. Okay, this word example is the Greek word typos. Um, like a type, like a prototype, um, it's like a mold, like like a cookie cutter that that's there to create more. I mean, the cookie cutter shape is there to make more cookie shapes. It's there to create more. A mold is there to create more of what it looks like. Um, the this is what it's about. The, they these Thessalonians became a type, right? An example to all the believers. Where? In Macedonia, so that's this whole area here, the, the country, basically, of the Thessalonians. And even down here, Paul was headed down here. And I'm telling you, Paul, he, he had been here. He had been down here. He was writing his letter from here. He's saying this from experience. Um, so if you receive the word, um, the gospel, and it is the middle of pressure, trial, affliction, and yet you have joy. You become a cookie-cutter example that will be replicating itself in your area. By the way, some of you have lost uh, family members, and you wonder why 
have lost family members. I said that wrong. Have lost family members, and you wonder why they don't decide to come to church and be Christians. That is ultimately in the hands of God. But the thing that you can do that will have the greatest impact on your community is to become an example. Show others what it means to be a Christian. Show them joy. Show them peace. Do that work with God in yourself, right? Do that work with God in yourself to get to that place. If you're like, man, I, I, but I don't have, I don't have that joy. I believe in God, but I don't have it. Then there's some work that might need to be done in here, okay? But do that work as we continue on. I'm hoping that we'll get there. Do that work so that you can show joy, you can show peace, so that other Christians can go. And I'll tell you what, I, I look forward to that, so I can go. What's it look like to be a Christian? I, look at look at these people, Vegwin. And I go, oh, I've heard about them. And I'll say that's exactly what it looks like. If you don't, if you're not there, pray God will bring you to that place that you can be an example. This is the core driving element in the next three things that I'm going to mention from Paul in the next few verses. Being an example or a type uh, to follow. Let's look at verse 8. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth, this sounded forth, let me switch back to this, this sounded forth right here is like a gong ringing out. It's the, the word of the Lord is sound, boom, goom, 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 goom. The word of the Lord has sounded forth from them in Macedonia. Remember where these places all throughout the whole area, right? But not only has it done that, your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. All over the place. And Paul's like, everywhere he goes, he sees this. Look at the result. So that we need not say anything. Receiving the word in affliction with joy will also teach the gospel. Notice that Paul doesn't have to say anything in some places. People have seen it in action from the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians have taught by example what we are to trust in. We're not trusting in ourselves. And we're most assuredly not trusting uh, in God like he's just a wish granter. No, we have put our faith in Christ to be the one who has set us right with God. In Romans 5, 1 through 5, I want you to listen to the adjustment of a person's hope um, when they have this faith in Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have, all right, this is what we have, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. De justified, declared, legally righteous before God. We have a right standing with God, and now we have a peace with God, not just a feeling or a sense of peace, but a literal, there's Peace has been declared between God and us. He, the righteous judge of the universe, is no longer at odds with us because of our sinful crimes. He is now at peace with us. We have peace. There's peace, right? Through Jesus Christ. Honestly, what more could you really want in this life besides this? Through him, that's Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this 
grace, this good standing with God, this grace in which we stand and we rejoice. There's that joy in the hope of the glory of God. But don't diminish that grace. It's God's grace. And we need this grace. Um, don't diminish the grace to trivial things like health and wealth and ease. The, this goodness that God is granting for us, this blessedness that God is granting for us that, that we have obtained, don't simplify it down to something so trivial. It's obviously bigger that than that in this passage. As you can see here, not only that, he says, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, before I read the rest of this, think through. The faith, the hope is in Christ. There's this grace, this good standing with God, and that's where everything is at. So much so that there's a rejoicing, but the rejoicing doesn't rely on how things are happening here. Because Paul now says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, he goes into some detail here to help us understand how we can look through those sufferings, not the, the consequences for things we've done wrong, but just the realities of the sufferings of this life. He says this, he says, knowing, so there's this knowledge that when he's suffering in this, this horrible, wretched life we're living, right? When we're suffering, he knows something. Suffering makes something. Endurance. The endurance does something. Character. The character does something. Hope. What kind of hope is it? A hope that does not put us to shame, sadness, sorrow, um, downcast results no because god's love has been poured into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us so this sufferings is steering us towards a lasting eternal hope let me go to romans 8 35 through 39 and expand on this idea just a little bit more as we see it in christ who shall, who shall separate us from the love of christ tribulation what's what's the answer here i'm going to ask you answer who shall separate us from the love of christ tribulation no distress no persecution this is the suffering at the hands of others will that do it no how about famine Starvation, lack, want. No. Expand on that. I mean, I've never been in a situation where my lack is so extreme that I don't even have clothes. You know, there's people on this planet that is, it's that extreme. There's some even in our own country that have the, the clothes on their backs. Lack of proper, just basic necessities. Will that separate us from the love of Christ? How about danger or violence, sword? Will that do it? Will that separate us? What do you think?
No. As it is written, Paul then quotes an Old Testament passage showing that this is not a new thing. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, looking forward to the lamb even then. There's that answer that we said several times, no. In all these things, what, what, what things? All those things we just listed off? All those things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I am, I'm sure, that neither death nor life nor, nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation did did we leave anything out I'm sure that these things none of them will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord stop talking about your loss of freedom Stop talking about how things are changing. You have the love of Christ. Rejoice. And your rejoicing will ring out through Danville so that when one goes to spread the gospel, they won't have to say a word. As soon as they start, they will know, oh, I've heard of these genuine Christians. This world is horrible. How can I get in on that? The love of Christ. Allow me to give you two more benefits from 1 Thessalonians that also answer that question. Back in 1 Thessalonians, let's go to verse 9. For they themselves, uh, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. There's a reception of the word in affliction with joy also shows the shallowness of these other things that you can be trusting in. If you set trust in all of the behaviors, for example, to obtain a healthy life, let's look different at different times. Um, I'm not saying before I go on that we don't do things to try to be healthy. Please do not misread me. Um, I've been convicted. This body that God has given me, I need to be a better caretaker of it. What I'm talking about is your hope, your trust. And some of us set all of uh, our trust, our hope, we're, we're trusting in the behaviors, the, the things that we can do, whether it be diets or exercise or any other thing, cautions that we take, um, the behaviors to obtain a healthy life. This, my friends, is shallow. Everybody eventually dies. We all have the disease of aging. And this world is chock full. I hate to break it to you, and I'm not being sarcastic. I don't want to be diminishing of anything. 
but this world is chock full of all sorts of diseases and bad little bugs that you can get and maladies that can happen. People can do everything right and still end up this way. Don't set your trust on all those behaviors. Don't set your trust on all the behaviors to obtain a stable life that is also shallow. Accidents happen. Trauma occurs. Freakish incidents happen. Stock markets crash. Restaurants close down. Quarantines happen. Don't set your trust on making sure you're doing all the right things to get your life in order. Don't set your trust in it. Does that mean you choose to be irresponsible and stupid? No. But that's not where your hope is for what is good. If you set your trust, your hope, in the maintaining of, for those of you that are living in this country, America, if you set your trust, your hope, in, in the maintaining, doing the things to maintain your American freedoms, I'm going to tell you, this is a shallow thing to trust in. I don't have a problem enjoying the freedoms that we've had and doing things to to maintain those those freedoms. But too many of you as Christians are putting all of your stock of happiness and joy in that basket. I hate to break it to you, but no nation, no empire, no country has always remained. We live in a fallen world filled with fallen people. I mean, just dwell on that for a minute. We're living in a democracy. How long do you think sinful people can choose to make things right? Not going to continue to happen. Okay? We live in a fallen world filled with fallen people. Don't think that this is our city on a hill. The only city on a hill is the one where there is no president, no Congress, or no parliament, and no voting. But instead, there's a king. And that's King Jesus. Turn away from loving the America that you've enjoyed and love instead the Christ who died. Genuine faith turns from dead idols. Notice, I'm not saying don't enjoy. God has blessed us. I don't deny that. But some of you have crossed a line and your stock of happiness and joy resides in the continuation of these easy benefits of a free life. Okay? That's idolatry. Your happiness cannot come from those things. Uh, love and to the Christ who died. Genuine faith turns from dead idols. Some of you need to examine your love and who you are following. Jesus teaches us something in Luke chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. He gets real personal. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate. Who? So in father, mother, wife, children. Brothers, sisters, and yes, even his own life, the life that you've enjoyed, 
if you can't cling stronger and more dearly to Christ and love him supremely, if you don't, I think if you don't, you've got to understand that maybe it's because you're seeing him incorrectly because he is worthy of that measure of love. He's worth it. If you don't, if you come in and you're not, but you, but you're still clinging to this life that you have, is that's that's your hope of joy and happiness is having these things here. If you're holding on to those things more, Jesus says it bluntly and plainly. You can't be not like I'm not gonna let you. No, he's that's not what a disciple. A disciple forsakes all and follows. And follows the example of this Jesus. Whoever does not, and there's that suffering again, bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. As I now get into the final verse of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, this is verse 10. It's important to know as we dig into this last, remember there were four things. It's if you've received the word in the affliction and trials and pressures of this current situation, no matter how you view it, and you continue to receive the word of the gospel with joy, then you show the emptiness of all other things to trust in, and your joy will become stable, and you will be an example of what we are all hoping in. A Jesus who is not gone forever. That's the final thing that Paul mentions. And to wait. Earnest, expectant waiting for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus who delivers us from the stuff that's really bad. The wrath of God. Right? Whose wrath is this? That's final judgment. If you receive the word in affliction, pressure, and trial, and you still have joy, not only do you set an example of real faith, not only do you show what real faith is trusting in, not only do you show what real faith is not trusting in, you show what real faith is waiting for. Hope is such a valuable thing, isn't it? Stop hoping in futile, empty, fleeting hopes. Stop hoping that things will go back to normal. Stop hoping that you will finally get to that place of stability. Stop hoping in a peaceful retirement. Stop hoping in a decent job. Stop hoping in better neighbors or better employees or employers. Stop hoping in good customer service reps. Stop hoping in your children being perfect. Stop hoping in parents being what you think they ought to be. Stop hoping in all of these things that you think might bring you joy. Because there's a joy to be had in the middle of all this when you have what really matters. And that's Christ. Jesus says near the end before he was crucified in John chapter 16. He says, 
I have, these, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Fact of life. But take heart, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. You can't lose anything. Not really. Jesus has overcome this world. He has defeated death. Stop acting like this is it. Now, I don't want to diminish the fears and struggles that some of you are having. I know that there are those on all sides of the spectrum right now. For the ones who possibly, because of their compromised health, um, or loved ones who have weak immunities, uh, you, you're afraid. On the other end, the, the ones who are not as worried about the disease or the, the sickness, but but you look at the dramatic, long-lasting impacts on our way of life. I don't want to diminish either end of that pendulum swing. In fact, instead of diminishing, I'm hoping to expand your view through this message. Stop thinking small. Rejoice in the pressures afflictions of life with a bigger view. Because you know the end of the story. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 it says, He, Christ, will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things that old order the former things have passed away the more you think with that scope the more you will be able to be joyful along with the Thessalonians and you will start to say with Paul for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not even, can I put the word even in there? Are not worth comparing with the glory that is, the glory is so great and so magnificent that the sufferings of this present time, this age that we are in, it won't even be worth putting them on the, the table to compare them to the greatness of the glory that's going to be revealed to us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I do thank you, God, for this day. I thank you for another opportunity to share your word. I thank you for the Thessalonians and their receiving of the word, the gospel message, in the middle of affliction, pressures of life. They did it with joy, that their example, Lord, was seen not only then, but 2,000, 2000 years later, we're still speaking about it. God, I ask for those that hear this message 
who are trusting in vain, empty idols. Idols of doing everything right to get what they think is best. Idols of good health, behaviors that will give them that. Idols of good wealth, the behaviors that might bring them there. Idols of stability and peace, but not the stability and peace that you offer. In this life, Lord, you offer us trouble so that we might follow in your steps, that we might share in your glory. I ask that you would help all who hear this today to adjust by your grace and your mercy, to adjust how they view this life and to begin not just to deal with it, but to embrace the sufferings that this life will bring, that they might have opportunity to show joy so that others might see the hope that we've set all of our trust in. I pray now that you would work this in us because apart from your grace and your mercy, there's not a person among us who can walk that road and follow you. But by your grace, we do. And it's in your grace that we now stand. I pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen. If you're watching this and there's any part of you that thought my hope is in the wrong place, I want to encourage you to, to reach out, not just to me. I mean, I would love that. Um, not just to me, but to anyone that you know that has that hope in Christ and demonstrates it in joy. If you find yourself struggling, letting go, God can relieve you and release you of those things. And I encourage you to call out to him, to cry out to him. I will pray for you and pray with you and, and help you see those things rightly if you want me to. I, I would love to have that opportunity. But don't waste another day on putting your stock in things that are fleeting. Thank you for watching this devotional. I hope that it's been a blessing to you and I hope that um, I'm able to see all of you again that are watching this. I'm hope hoping to be able to see you at some point. Uh, if God allows, Lord willing, in the meantime, let's be joyful in in this, in this trial, in this pressure, this is not easy for many of you, but let's be joyful in this and let's demonstrate that to those in this world. Don't let yourself, don't let yourself, if you've been falling down that path of um, negativity, griping, complaining, frustrated, uh, annoyed, whatever it might be, abandon all those things for the joy. Because this world needs that, to see that. Just like Paul's world and uh, Macedonia and Achaia saw what the Thessalonians did. The, our, our town, our communities need to see Christians behaving like they know, <laughs> they know this great truth. The greatest truth. 
we need to start behaving that way. Once again, thank you for watching.